Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 46, Finalized Coaching Staffs. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. This past week, we had two XFL announcements. In addition, later in the show, I will be joined by fullback tight end Andre Sims to discuss his football journey and XFL Florida Showcase experience. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On September 13th, the XFL announced it has finalized coaching staffs and key positions for its eight teams. Among the positions filled, positional coaches, athletic trainer, equipment manager, and video managers. I am not going to break down every team's hire by title, but I will include a link to the hires in this episode's description and notes. However, there are a few I want to mention. Most notably, XFL Las Vegas linebackers coach Dr. Jen Welter. She returns to the alternative football coaching ranks. Her resume includes the following stints. 2015, Texas Revolution as linebacker and special teams coach. 2015, with the Arizona Cardinals as assistant coaching intern. And 2019, with Atlanta Legends as a defensive specialist. In addition to her coaching experience, Welters earned her master's degree in sports psychology from Boston College and her PhD in psychology from Capella University. I also want to point out 10 USFL coaches have jumped ship to join XFL staffs for 2023. These are the following coaches to do so. The Birmingham Stallions have lost Bill Johnson to Houston as defensive line coach, Corey Chamblin to San Antonio as defensive backs coach, John Himbach to Arlington as offensive line and special teams coach. The Houston Gamblers lose Greg McMahon to Houston as special teams coach. Tim Lewis to Arlington as co-defensive coordinator. Ty Warren to Orlando as defensive line coach. Mark Snyder to Orlando as linebackers coach. The New Jersey Generals lost Chris Dishman to Las Vegas as defensive coordinator. The New Orleans Breakers lost Paul Spicer to San Antonio as defensive line coach. And the Tampa Bay Bandits lost Pat Perils to St. Louis as offensive line coach. We knew the leagues would compete aggressively for players. I am a bit surprised to see a significant number of coaches giving up their guaranteed roles in the USFL to join XFL staffs. This is somewhat of a bad look for the USFL. On the flip side, it looks favorably on the XFL and provides more credibility for its relaunch in 2023. Then, on September 15th, the XFL announced Jason Gonella as Senior Vice President of Ticket Sales. 
In this role, he will lead the planning and development of the league's ticket sales, services, and operations for the league and each of the 18 markets. Gonella will be responsible for all aspects of the league's ticketing sales, strategy, and analytics. He will develop and oversee a full suite of products, including season, group, and individual game tickets, as well as leading pricing, packaging, and retention strategies to drive revenue growth. He will also be responsible for discovering and implementing innovative service-related technologies and utilizing these tools to measure the effectiveness of ticket sales and approve overall results. In addition, he will develop go-to-market strategies while working closely with a league's marketing team to implement ticket sales and retention-driven campaigns. Prior to joining the XFL, Gonella brings 25 years of leadership experience in ticketing from current and previous roles with Quick Strike Partners, a sale consultancy he found and led as CEO, who work with various sports entertainment clients, including Gotham FC of the National Women's Soccer League. He also served as Vice President of Premium Seating at the Prudential Center under Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. In addition, he has served in various leadership roles with Anschutz Entertainment Group and Staples Center, the Philadelphia Eagles and Lincoln Financial Field, the Minnesota Vikings and U.S. Bank Stadium, the New York Jets and MetLife Stadium, Legends Hospitality and Rose Bowl Stadium, Oakview Group, Wazer Media Group, and Van Wagner Sports and Entertainment. Gonella will report to Janet Doge. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by fullback tight end Andre Sims to discuss his football journey and XFL Florida Showcase experience. Welcome, Andre. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss your football journey and pursuit of playing in the XFL. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me on, on your show. You're welcome. You played your collegiate ball at Division I Powerhouse, University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Can you walk us through your college recruitment and the opportunities you had before ultimately choosing to play for Coach Saban, as well as share your college experience? Okay, before I played football at the University of Alabama, I actually went to school at Miles College, a Division II. They offered me a process scholarship when I tried out for the team, but because of my grades and my academics, I was in Edgewood my freshman year. So I had to sit out for that whole year. So by the time my sophomore year came, when I was eligible, I was completely out of state. I was around like 300 pounds. I had actually quit it after two weeks of conditioning. I just sent the message to my coach, so I don't think it's not for me. I'm thinking I want to give up football. Then once I told him that, I thought I was completely done with football. But for some reason, like, during my sophomore year, I had a dream that told me to go to Alabama, which was crazy because I wasn't an Alabama fan. I didn't, I didn't grow up watching Alabama. I was a Georgia fan, to be honest. Wow. Then I, I told my parents, like, I want to transfer to Alabama. So during my junior year, I ended up transferring to Alabama. Had to sit out a year because it's transferring. Then as I said, out the spring year, they had a class come out there. We had, like, about 90 people coming out there trying out. At that time, they only selected 16 of us for the um, spring and the summer. After the spring and the summer, when it's time for fall count, only six of us made the team, which is crazy for me because I thought I was going home. Like, they already selected who they want to bring for camp, like all the scholarship players and some of the walk-ons that were there before me. It was two days it was time for me to go home. I walked back to the locker room, and I seen a letter that said, you've been invited to training camp. Like, training camp? What? I was happy and nervous at the same time. 
because I never done something like this. And I heard all the stories. Like, that first week of count was major. It was so tiresome. That first practice, we had a varsity practice in the morning time, and we had a freshman practice at nighttime. Man, that freshman practice was so crazy. Like, it was just multiple reps with no rest time, no peers, or nothing like that. And, and like, like for that whole month, basically it was the same thing. You get up at 6 a.m., hearing the whole one blown from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Basically the same thing. Working out, eating, training, film study, practice, another lifting section. Like, it's been going like that every, for like for a whole month for on um, to the end of fall camp. And basically, my first year being in Alabama, I was off the line. I was actually 330 pounds playing right, left guard. Basically, I was like a test dummy to them, getting knocked out every day. First, I started like going against Ruben Foster, Reggie Raglan, Sean Hampton, all them boys that made it to the NFL. Every day, the same thing over and over, just getting, basically just getting my butt whooped every day. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's how I went from on and off. But, for some, but because of my grades, I was in Ezra. I let my GPA drop before below a 2.0. So me and another walk-on player, Levi Wallace, who plays for Pittsburgh Steelers right now as a starting cornerback, me and him walked on the same year. Me and him was in Ezra that year when we actually played in the first ever uh, college playoff series when we went against Ohio State, which we lost in the first round. But then our quarterback was Blake Sam. So after my first year in Alabama, I dropped the weight because I wanted to transfer. I want to be a fullback. I've always loved blocking, but I realized that I wasn't actually big. I was just standing out of state trying to be off the line. So I dropped all the weight during the summertime. I went from 330 pounds to like 250. Then they put out a fullback with the tight end, and that's how it went so far. But at the end of the summer, which I thought I was done because I had one more year of eligibility, I ended up getting cut because I ended up changing my major. And I didn't know nothing about um, degree percentage or something like that. Yeah, maybe in Edgewood. So the year I got cut was the year they won the national championship at Clemson. So you know how it was for me. I was happy and sad at the same time. Like, I was really with them boys. I could have got my first championship ring. Yeah. Take us back a little bit here. So offensive lineman to fullback tight end. So where did this thought or where did this idea come from? And why did you want to do it? To be honest, I really wanted to be a fullback, but I didn't think nobody would take me serious being that heavy. And when I was there, one had one fullback on Justin Fowles, uh nickname Nudie, with that with who was graduated with the Tennessee Titans. It was his senior year, and that was my junior year. And the rest of the um, four that would just walk on, another walk on name, Nice Wonder, which ended up being a, he ended up taking a starting job the next year and actually got a, got invited to recommend that with the um, Kansas City Chiefs. I was thinking to myself, I know how to block. I go on um, compete for that four but because I love the trenches. That's my favorite thing. I love blocking. I love passing test. But when they moved up to tight ends, it got, it was good on blocking, but running, rocking, catching. That's why I realized I didn't know how to kick. Like, I literally, our first practice, when they recorded us, you see me dropping a wide open pass, like the ball was just going straight through my hands. I was like, oh, I don't know how to kick. 
It's just interesting because players who were athletic quarterbacks, but maybe not your prototypical for size. So we've seen guys, Julian Edelman in the NFL was a quarterback in college, make the switch to a wide receiver. We've seen that type of stuff or those type of switches. And I think it's more common. A lot of athletic quarterbacks that might not be the over six foot size and, and, you know, pocket passer, but we've seen the game shift on the professional landscape, but I just, I can't think of many guys that switch from offensive line to fullback or offensive line to tight end. I see sometimes tight end receiver kind of switch because some of those guys are size wise right there, but I just found it very interesting. And what did the coaching staff, what did coach saving and and the rest of coaching staff think about the switch? Were they very supportive? Were they kind of hesitant? How was it? Basically, I really had to prove to them. Like, for instance, our strength coach, um, Coach Cochran, Scott Cochran, he's with um, Georgia right now. Basically, I had to work with him and prove to him that I want to drop this weight. I want to be a fullback. I had talked to I had talked to Coach Burns. He was our previous on. Um, he was the running back coach there during the time. Like, I told him, hey, Coach, I want to be a fullback. And he said, I need you to drop the weight. I need you to get better, better state. So during that summer, I've been, I just been working my butt off, dropping the pounds, getting a little bit more faster, being more aggressive. Cause like I said, I just, I love the block, but I just knew I wasn't a lineman. So I told him this best thing, being a fullback. And then the tight end thing, how did that, I mean, where did that conversation come in? Was that their idea, yeah. your idea? Actually, they merged us. They merged all the four of us with the tight end position. So you had the eight back and the wide, but and, and the on um, wide, you had the eight and the wide. So I was in a like where well, uh, OJ Howard was there playing wide, and I had, I was at the eight back. I was on um, playing eight, and that's when me and Nike wanted we were just competing for that spot and other four backs also. So that's how I became a tight end. That's how I actually fell in love with tight end too. Like, oh, I could do both. I could be a four back. And I can be a tiny. Well, since leaving college, you've had stints in the spring league and fan controlled football. How did these opportunities come about and how have they improved your game? Okay, how I started out with the spring league after college, I was playing semi football, which was crazy because I, I ended up playing left tackle in semi football because you know, they didn't have nobody who actually blocked. But doing that, I made a great highlight film out of that. And I actually sent that highlight film to all 32 NFL teams just by mailing them. But I seen on YouTube how once in my football player did the same thing and ended up getting the NFL trial. I like, if he can do it, I can do it too. I sent that out like, I say like mid-July, then nothing never happened. That's what I know. In August, I know forget August 19th, I actually got a letter, somebody actually mailed me back. I believe it was the uh, it was the Buffalo Bills at first. They said they like my thing. Unfortunately, we already had our ninety man roster spot match that we're not doing in the future tight end uh trial, stuff like that. Then another month passed and uh, you know uh, another letter from Seattle Seahawks saying the same thing. Then I say probably me in November, the New York Giants uh emailed me saying the same thing. They received my DVD, unfortunately. Such and such, we don't have opportunity, but we'll keep 
everybody in check, regular food we're looking for. Everyone, the fact that they actually, the NFL team actually replied back to me, not one, but actually three. And that really did something to me. I just, it was just an exciting thing. Then next year, I say 2019, that's when I heard about the Spring League. I believe the first time they did it was back in 2018, and they were talking about how the, all, all these folks were getting trials and stuff like that. So I decided to go out there for um, tight end. It was good for the first week, so I, I messed up my ankle. Thought I told my ACL or something like that. So I was on the plane like 50%. I wasn't going 100%. But I did enough to actually earn a tryout with the SFL. That's when they first started out the SFL showcase. I actually got invited to the one in Florida. It wasn't the one like the past couple on trials that you had to pay for. Like they actually had seen one out to you. But unfortunately, since my leg, my leg was injured, I couldn't go out there in Florida. Um, I think it was yeah, Tampa Bay, Florida, um, participate in that Florida showcase. Then after that, I actually got in contact with my agent, uh, Mr. Perrin, and he got a couple connects by arena football. He's the one actually told me about fantasy pro football, which I like it because that's the only um league that actually used tight end, like the other like. With IFL, stuff like that, I actually had to be an offensive lineman because they don't use tight ends or nor fullbacks. If they do, like um, like in NAL, if they do use um, fullback, it'll probably be another lineman or a defensive lineman. So LCS was the best choice, which I'm glad that I did participate in because that was my actually first professional football career right there. And it was, it was a great experience. Like, all the tight ends are up. Like, my roommate, you probably heard of him, uh, Tommy OJ, one of the first, uh, May 13, if he is. Man, I mean, that kid was amazing. I'm glad, I'm glad I um, got a chance to know him. But if he was a um, great stepping stone, me moving forward. The XFL has branded itself as a development league. Seeing that you are now officially on the wrong side of 30, it's just a saying, right? I mean, trust me, I'm over 40, so I'm not trying to pick any. But seeing you're on the wrong side of 30, how would you rate your current physical form compared to your younger self? And if coaches or key XFL staff members were to question your overall value, what is it that you bring to the table at this stage of your career? Like I said, everybody, you will never find a better blocking tight end fullback better than me. You will never find a tight end who loves the trenches, who could be that folks, who can actually hold their own one-on-one against any edge rushes, a defensive end. Like I said, being in Alabama, I play you the best. I know how they work. And being a former offensive lineman, there's not too many tight ends you can find that can move like a lineman. Like a former NFL player, Lee Smith, he's one of the best tight ends I, ever liked. I liked out there. 270-some pounds. Every time you see him, he's always blocking. That's why I want to be. I want to be the best blocking tight end fullback out there. That's why I bring it to the table. That will separate me from any other folks. Like I said, anybody that. That was my highlight tape. So, me blocking, dominating, pancaking folks. Great pass that. Even had a game-winning block with the uh, for the Aokis to send them to the playoffs. Even had a announcement calling my name, Andre Sands. The great block by Andre Sands um, blocking the defensive end. That would separate me from any other tight end. I don't look at I hope they don't judge me on my age because I'm way better than I was back 
when I was in my 20s, I, I'm twice as better than I was when I was at Alabama. Some wines get better with age, right? So yes, sir. it's just a fact. I understand you participated at the XFL Florida Showcase. What was your showcase experience like? Man, it was a great experience. Man, seeing a lot of athletes, seeing a lot of um, former players from the fancy pro football. Like, it, it was just great. I couldn't complain. Nice sunny weather. But unfortunately, the tight ends didn't get to um, finish every drill because we was in a weather delay. We was in a um, tornado one or something like that. So none of the tight ends got an opportunity to actually catch balls. But we did our 40s, L cones in, the triple bar jump. And we did it on the breakaway data when we was blocking, running routes, playing routes. Like, that was a great experience, too. Did you have any interaction with XFL staff members or head coaches? No. In the beginning, they were talking about it would be best not to interact with them unless they interact with you. So I was just doing my part to follow the rules. And no one had any – didn't – single you out on anything good, bad, or ugly, you know, so to speak? It was, though. I forgot the offensive line coach. He liked how the way we was blocking. When we had to, um, especially when it comes to um, side blocking, like pulling, catch the edge, he liked it that part. Like I said, that part right there, that's why I turn my head. That's right there going to separate me from the other group is that blocking. So you've since have received your data from breakaway data. How did your numbers look? How did your rankings look in the percentiles? Uh, some of them looked okay. Some of them I wish I could have did better. Like the breakaway data, I really didn't pay attention like that because some could actually hurt you or help you. In my case, it was kind of like neutral in the uh, even place. Like some was right in the 80s and like some were right in the 20s. So, yeah, it was all right, but I really don't prefer the breakaway day, to be honest, because that doesn't determine what kind of play you will be on the field. Yeah, I understand. It's just a deeper look. So when I I was also in attendance at the Florida Showcase, so I was part of the media session. And I had a chance to speak with Doug Whaley, and he was telling me that it's to help fine when it comes down to let's say two or three players that essentially look identical what they do is how can they find the difference between the two or three players because some guys might run the exact same 40 some guys might have a very similar stance or you know form of how they block or whatever but they can find various measurables in that data and that's how they can go a little bit further it's my understanding, it's not to decide on all players, but it kind of just gives them a little bit more information where they just may not have had it. Because let's be real, whether it's the National Football League or whether it's the XFL draft, there's only so many players that can get drafted. And when it kind of comes down to the nitty gritty late in the rounds, you might have a couple of guys that have the same exact body, right? Height, weight. They might be very similar as far as speed in the 40. And I think that's where they're going to use that data to kind of go a little bit further on those players. It's not meant to be 
the deciding fa- well it could be the the deciding factor but it's not supposed to be the leading factor they're supposed to use other criteria and then they'll use that so that's why i was just kind of curious where your percentiles were and if you're rating high in certain ones that might be more important in certain areas or certain positions mm-hmm. i can see that being beneficial and again i don't have it in front of me but that's my understanding and i also had steve garab the president and co-founder of breakaway did on my show and he was kind of just explaining why why they do it it's just to find like the the more finer details that you can't see to the naked eye and so to speak so it's interesting because it is fairly new even though analytics have been around for a while it's a new way of looking at the data that they can collect and i understand that it's not everything is broke so don't fix it so to speak you know, in a lot of athletes are like, well, we've been doing it this way for a long time, but technology has been incorporated into the sports for a while. You know, we see all those players now wearing those, which looks like a sports bra, but it has that uh, device that kind of uh, records your heart rate and all that. So they know when you're working hard, when you're not. So some people are game players, right? Game day people and some people sandbag and practice, but there's a lot of coaches now that look at, well, I want you to practice all the time. So if you're not giving it to me in practice now, they might not play you. I mean, what? Allen Iverson, the famous Philadelphia 76er, once said, well, we're talking about practice. But the reality is the world has been changing, right? And here we are. Breakaway data is kind of part of that. So that's why I ask. It's not doom or gloom. What well, you know, it's just I'm kind of curious. So how would you rate your overall showcase experience? Did you have a good day normal compared to your normal self? Uh, was it a little bit off? Is it just okay? I feel like it was a good day because when I uh, did that showcase, like I literally just got done playing in the FEL like a week ago. So I really didn't have a hope. I didn't really have much time to let my body recuperate. But I feel that about that. I gave the best I can. Gave one hundred percent. I felt great going up there. I felt great leaving there. I gave. I left it all on there. And hey, I'm just being patient. Well, you can do at this point, right? <laughs> so you are represented by Romero Fernand. Can you share how his agency has helped you in the pursuit of achieving your goals, man? Before I met him, I was just like struggling trying to get an opportunity. I met him, I um what a, um messaged him on Twitter and I ended up signing with him like I say like a probably like a week ago, he already had two arena football teams looking at me. I actually got a um contract from the CIL, I forgot the name of the team. And then I had another team on Arizona Rattlers, he said he could probably give me an opportunity there, but I had to add more weight on he want me to play lineman. And I don't want to uh, add the weight to health-wise and being 30, I don't want to gain that much weight ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so LCF was the um, next thing. It went from a tryout to a workout. Like, everything went normal and stuff like that, but again, when it was time for one-on-one, we came to the blogging. That's when I turned heads around. And I knew at that point, I was going to get the contract. 
Like I was the number one block. I was the number one blocker in LCL. Every time you, every time, the defensive coach or defense player, like dog, where you play there? How you learn to block like that? Like I've been alive all my life. That's what I love. That's what I love to do. I love to block. Well, this is what's interesting in these alternative football leagues, whether it's the XFL, the USFL. They have smaller roster sizes, so they usually look for players that are able to play multiple positions or even within a position, multiple roles. You know, even when you look at receivers outside, inside receiver, you obviously have skill sets and experience playing various positions. And I understand you said you don't want to gain weight, but this could also be your strength. As far as I know, you haven't received an XFL draft invitation yet. Correct. Yes, correct. So you have a strength that most people don't. Like some people switched from high school to college, and now they it's going to be difficult for them to go back. You have been within a couple of years versus you know pro versus high school. Like some of these guys have switched. So it's interesting where that could be your strength. Has anybody? Anywhere talked about that? You know, we were just discussing that, you know, somebody was asking you to put on weight to play lineman for a position you didn't want to do it. But how much has that been a discussion about opportunities in those possibilities? I'd say a couple opportunities, but I just didn't know, like, how much weight they want to put on. Uh, right now, I'm at 240, which I really do, like, but if I if I need to put on more weight, I'll probably add uh, probably like ten more pounds. So that's what I try to do back in when I was in college, when I was in Alabama. I put weight on the wrong way. That's how I knew there wasn't much. It was just fat. When I first turned out turned from Alabama, I was three hundred. When it was when I was actually on the Alabama football roster, I was three hundred twenty eight pounds. So yeah, that weight does take effect, but. I don't. I wouldn't mind putting on weight. Is it how much do they want me to put on there? Because it really don't matter how much I weigh. I like I said, I can still block like a lineman. I don't care the defensive player is two two hundred. I mean three hundred pounds. I guarantee you, I get my quarterback four seconds. Four seconds, the ball be gone, or you run out of pocket and you're on. So, outside of football, what have you been up to? Is there any particular hobbies, anything like that? I work at the YMCA as a substitute teacher. Uh, I, besides football, um, like, I got my degree in education, so when I'm ready to hang on my cleats, I will be a full-time teacher. I love helping kids out. I love being around kids. I'm a pre-K teacher as we speak right now. Um, did it with four-year-olds, just getting them ready to um, go to the next level, getting ready for kindergarten, ready to go to the big school. Just having them out. Like, I enjoy being around with kids. I've had an XFL executive appear on the show before. So I typically provide each of my guests an opportunity or a last plea. If XFL coaches or key staff members were to tune into this episode, what is there about you that is greatly unknown that you want them to know about you? Like, it's vital to who you are. And why should they send you an invitation to the draft? Um, it's my wife. 
I guarantee you, it said why. Why should they act? Why should they slip me? Like, I'm looking at this man. He's over 30. He's a risk factor. And I just tell coaches, don't judge me because of my age. If you give me an opportunity, I can showcase what my ability is. I tell coaches every day, you will never find a better blocking tight end or fullback like me or special team player. You will never find a tight end who loves the trenches. You will never find a tight end who can actually sustain a pass protection on his own. You will never find another tight end who can actually read to get off the block to um, move up to the secondary level, who can pull like a line. Never separate me from others. I guarantee there is not one, no disrespect to any one who got the driving right. There's no one in that driving, any tight ends or fullback that can block better than me. And I'm ready to prove it. They're, like I said, I'm going to be patient. The driving is still November. They had the seven living draft. Andre, it has been a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and talk with me about your football experience and XFL showcase experience. I hope you get offered your XFL draft invitation, but more importantly, I'd like to see you get selected and make a roster for 2023. Because if so, I'd love to have you come back so we can talk about how things are progressing for you and ultimately your team. Man, thank you, Mike. This is my first podcast ever, man. It's always a little bit nervous, but I'm grateful for the opportunity. You're welcome. If some of our listeners wanted to follow you and your journey, where could they do so? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter and can read. Well, perfect. Thank you, Andre. Thank you. Have a great day. You're welcome. Although Andre came from an iconic collegiate program, I felt his journey of coming through the practice team as an offensive lineman and tradition to fullback tight end to eventually turning professional is an interesting journey and one that needed to be shared. Unfortunately, there has not been any Let's Talk XFL fan line messages for this week. If you have a comment, question, or a hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to Let's Talk XFL fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. Perez, Colby Pearson breaks the tackle and there he goes. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts, and if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.